Does manual treasury management and operations have your crypto business stuck in the slow lane? Scale up and speed ahead with Fireblocks, the number one platform for crypto operations and trading pros that makes custody, settlement, and rebalancing quick and easy. Visit fireblocks.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Coinbase Prime, an integrated solution that provides institutional investors with an advanced trading platform, secure custody, and prime services to manage all of their crypto assets in one place. Futuristic companies like Tesla and MicroStrategy have used Coinbase's comprehensive investing platform to execute some of the largest trades in the industry. Learn more by visiting coinbase.com prime to get started today. Eager to make more informed decisions around crypto using data you can trust, Chainalysis demystifies cryptocurrency by providing industry-leading compliance, market intelligence, and investigation support for all crypto assets for organizations like Gemini, Crypto.com, and BlockFi. Maximize your potential with the leading blockchain data platform by visiting Chainalysis.com now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, Director of News at The Block. And joining us today on the other side of the mic is my guest and dear friend, Mike Dudas, making his first appearance on the show. If you don't know Mike from Twitter, he's the founding partner of Six Man Ventures and the co-founder of LinksDAO. He is also, of course, the founder of my company, our company, The Block. Mike, thank you so much for coming on. I feel like you've been waiting a long time for us to uh, shine a light on links. <laughs> so, Frank, I'm I'm delighted to have finally been invited to your wonderful show, The Scoop. I saw even from the beginning, and uh, you know, I, I once long ago dreamed that when I worked with you at the block, that I might be invited to co-host an episode or two, and yeah, you know, sadly. I was never newsworthy enough. And so I feel very fortunate that uh, my persistent pleading on Twitter to get some media coverage for links has finally allowed me to join you on this wonderful platform. Well, I think it's a mix of the success that you've seen at LinksDAO, but also the direction that you sort of took your career after leaving the block has aligned a bit with where the show is, right? You know, we kind of were more institutional, the traders, the investors. And now it seems like every other episode is someone from the NFT metaverse, more crypto native DAO world, which you've found yourself in. So maybe walk us through that transition and what you're working on. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, the block for me, we started it in 2018 and you were a pioneer there. You know, basically worked on it with you guys for three years. And what I found is, you know, the founder sort of product and market fit wasn't perfect, right? It was not the right business for me with my personality, my passions, my interests to run, you know, and grow for seven to 10 years. But I was fortunate enough that amazing people like you, uh, Mike McCaffrey, the CEO, Larry, you know, the VP research and many, many others, Stephen on the research team, you know, 
basically were perfectly aligned to run the business that has developed, which is basically an institutionally focused, you know, the best news research and data comprehensive source in the ecosystem. So I'm just, I feel really fortunate to have been affiliated with the block, but yeah, I'm 42. I'm like a boomer at this point, especially in crypto, basically close to retired in crypto years. And what I learned is that I had a passion for the application layer. I've worked in the app layer of you know, web two for decades, right? I started my career at Disney, worked at YouTube, uh, then moved to FinTech where I worked at Google Wallet, Venmo. And I'm much, much more passionate about that app layer than I am about kind of like institutional markets and exotic institutional derivatives and things of that nature. So I was really fortunate that you know the wonderful team of the block has built that business and took it over on the fly. And I've been lucky enough to be able to move in an area that I love, which is Web3 at large, which encompasses play to earn gaming, metaverse, Web3 networks that are driven by token incentives, coordination and ownership and, and DAOs, right? And then all the wallets, tooling, marketplaces and infrastructure around that. So I invest in that space via a fund called Six Man Ventures. It's a $130 million early stage fund investing in tokens and equity. And then as a practitioner, of LinksDAO, where we are a community-governed golf and leisure club uh, with really, really big ambitions to use NFT technology and community governance to grow a really, really unique lifestyle experience for people across the globe and currently have you know, tens of thousands of people involved in that community in just two months. I figure that your time at Paxos, where you were kind of, I guess, a vice president handling biz dev and, and ventures as well, I think. Yeah. So that was a really, really special time for me. You know, my DNA and my interest in crypto at large is I want people to use this stuff. <laughs> I want them to use it for payments. I want them to use it, you know, in networks and applications and for new novel models of ownership without trusted intermediaries. And to me, Paxos is, I would say, the most important company in the regulated financial infrastructure space because they cross so many different asset classes. So you know, they have the stablecoin business and cash. They have the commodity business, Pax Gold, and ultimately other commodities. We see how important commodities and tokenization there is going to be. Certainly something people pay a lot more attention to based on developments over the past couple months. You know, tokenized securities, and then obviously, you know, cryptocurrencies themselves. So yeah. I was really excited because Paxos touches tens of millions of people via BUSD, via their USDP token, and they're in the Facebook app, big partnership with PayPal. So a special company, but ultimately, I'm an advisor there now, wonderful business, wonderful team growing fast. But my heart is in the Web3, the truly decentralized projects, protocols and applications. Yeah, but that set like the foundation for your investment activity at Six Man, and then your sort of more entrepreneurial activity in LinksDAO. Let's focus on DAOs for a moment, because this is kind of part of the reason why we wanted to have you on. I think we've set the foundation of how you got here. I think there's a somewhat of an understanding of what exactly it is, right? We're trying to create like a, a 2.0 or Web3 version of the leisure experience that people get from something like a country club where they can go and golf. Maybe that's directionally correct and we can get into that. But when you think about just DAOs generally, we've had a few venture capitalists come on the show to parse through this. DAOs have always 
existed in crypto. This isn't a new term. It's not a new mechanism, but it has kind of taken on a broader meaning in what a DAO can do and the industries that a DAO might touch. How do you think that that transpired, that evolution happened? Yeah. So the definition of a DAO is decentralized, autonomous organization. You know, what I would say is that most air quote DAOs, by the way, including Lynx DAO today, are not decentralized, autonomous organizations in a legally enforceable way. And we can get into specifics, but there's a lot of complexity around how a DAO should be structured. You know, should it be structured? You know, what the liability is to the individual participants, et cetera. But most of the popular air quote DAOs that you see today are, you know, many are like investment clubs with fully KYC participants and, you know, limited to X number of people who can actually take part in them and, you know, look more like investment clubs or other things like that. I don't think it's a bad thing. It's people experimenting with collective governance, collective you know, management of organizations. To your point, DAOs have existed you know, since the DAO, right? I think even before that, the concept certainly existed you know, well before even crypto. The way that they've manifested historically, though, like the largest DAOs today are in DeFi. Most of the protocols you look at are governed, right? Like Compound and Aave are governed by DAOs. MakerDAO, right? If you want to add a new type of collateral to Maker, you know, it goes to a DAO vote. You know, that's where the majority of the money is that's controlled by significant DAOs. But many of these votes today still, you know, big criticism is that they happen via a very concentrated group of, of people and early owners and, and founders. So I think that's something that we have to work through as an industry, as an ecosystem, is for these products to grow and be mainstream and be credible as decentralized uh, projects. But LinksDAO is kind of in like a different class in a sense, right? It's more of a cultural DAO. Exactly. So some of the, so Constitution DAO was you know, a very popular one, you know, fundraising. That really was a DAO, a true DAO in the sense that you know, people contributed, they weren't KYC'd, and they had a common goal to you know, go out on a mission to buy the Constitution. And you know, there was voting and pods and organization by which people could vote. I don't know that there was a legal structure around that per se. In the case of, for example, LinksDAO, in the case of a lot of the ideas that I've seen over the past couple months now, since, since we did ours, what you often have is, is something that uses the ethos and the spirit of what DAOs do, meaning people will hold either liquid tokens and or you know, NFTs. They'll be able to vote on proposals, and we can get into what LinksDAO is, but you know, proposals that come up related to what the DAO's purpose is. But in many cases, the votes and the membership and the people who are involved act more as an advisory board than like a legally binding DAO vote that the entity is obliged to adhere to. Okay. So still today, we're in this kind of in-between world where many things that call themselves air quote DAOs are really either corporations or LLCs, but have a participatory governance mechanism where they put proposals up, the community can issue proposals. By the way, people can contribute to the DAOs and be paid for those contributions. So it looks different than a corporation, but it's not truly decentralized and autonomous in the spirit of what I believe these organizations can become over the coming decade. So what is LinksDAO 
achieve that a centralized version of it cannot. Yeah. So so what LinksDAO is, it's a globally accessible community that anybody can gain entrance to by purchasing an NFT. That NFT gives that person the ability to, as I mentioned, vote on really important things about what LinksDAO, which is a golf and leisure club, will be. Things like, hey, where will the first golf course be located? What will the type of play be? What will the member rules be? Hey, broadly, what are the membership tiers going to look like? What events should we host? You know, what should the experience on the course look like? Should we have a a big screen TV that shows all of the PGA golf course? Like all kinds of interesting and fun things that are participatory that anybody in the world can get access to. So one is fundraising. You know, anybody can access it from anywhere in the world in an unstoppable way. Okay. Um, That's very different than like Kickstarter or other types of fundraising. The second piece is they have an active voice. And the third piece is these memberships, actually, they don't have decaying value in the way that many centralized memberships. If you join a golf club and pay an initiation fee of $50,000 today, that money's gone and out the door. In the case of LinksDAO, if you take that initiation fee, if you decide to leave the club in two years, you know, you have the ability to resell that or pass that membership on to somebody else. So again, sort of anybody in the world can join. It comes with governance rights that shareholders don't typically get in a centralized corporation. And there's this really cool community feel vibe. And then it's a non sort of expiring and non deteriorating asset, which is very, very unusual when you think of centralized corporations and the rents that they try to extract. So you guys raised about $10 million uh, vis-a-vis the NFT offering that you dropped of, I think, more than 9,000 NFTs. Yeah, we sold more than 8,000. Exactly. Yep. And so what's where are we in that process? Is the Dow sussing out a, a course to buy? And yeah. are you looking at different properties? Like, how does that work? Yeah, good question. So one thing that we did immediately... You know, our goal is to be compliant. You know, our terms of sale were very clear. LinksDAO Incorporated, there is a Delaware C Corp that basically was responsible for the sale of these NFT membership passes, right? And you know, our first obligation was we need to secure that treasury such that we can go against our mission. So we immediately converted to stablecoin. And that was a good thing because you know, ETH was at 3,800 when we did the sale. And then it dropped as low as like 2,400, I think, a couple of weeks ago. And it's been all over the place. We plan to be compliant. So we will pay our taxes. You know, we think that's really important. And so we've just kind of established all that. We have a Gnosis safe, very transparent in terms of like where the funds are. But where we are in the process is we've basically created two organizations and two scaffolding. One is we have the community. So we have a community with pods and folks who lead those pods who have basically risen up as contributors through the community and will eventually the leaders will be compensated for those roles. Those are folks who are in charge of things like events, community moderation. We have an engineering pod that's put in place a lot of the voting mechanisms and other things that we have that make the DAO work. There's a bunch of other functions, finance and accounting. So that's for the quote unquote DAO. We at the same time have created a corporate organization. That corporate organization is doing the things that you're talking about. One, we're raising additional funding 
to ensure that we have the money available to buy a course because once we pay taxes and do all that, the net $7 million, you know, that's not enough to buy the number of golf courses and create the world-class golf experience that we want to create you know, over the next few years. So we're raising some equity capital to do that. And then you know, we have an organization, a corporation that will actually operate these golf courses. So it's pretty cool in that it's both an online and in real life business that's sort of NFT and Web3 enabled. And the community hub, by the way, for all of the communication, both the DAO itself as well as the corporate team is Discord. It's kind of ironic because it's a Web2 tool and I'm dying, of course, for a great Web3 tool, native tool to be developed, but doesn't exist yet. So we sort of run on Discord and I think that's a big gap that's going to get solved and over the next couple of years. So this kind of speaks to the one question that I think when you first announced the the initial raise people had about the regulatory compliance angle, right? Is this not just a group sort of looking to profit off a common enterprise, i.e. a golf course? The answer, I guess, is there is the one aspect of it that's decentralized. They're creating the rules of the game, the rules of how this is going to operate. And then there's also a corporate structure that is going to kind of own the assets and profit from the assets. And they'll be sort of different, almost akin to how you have Uniswap Labs, the corporate entity, which is building around Uniswap, the protocol. If you were to use that analogy, what is sort of LinksDAO, the corporate entity in charge of, and what is the protocol what would be the Uniswap of, of this, if that makes sense? Yeah, good questions. So the corporation itself is effectively the enterprise here. So the NFTs that were sold, basically those are what you would call collectibles with governance rights and the ability to purchase membership at the club or clubs that the corporation acquires, maintains, and, and delivers a great experience for. But more than that, you know, I keep talking about voting, but but effectively, the NFT holders are a advisory board for the corporation. So we've you know, spent a lot of time on Twitter spaces, Discord podiums with the community explaining that. Obviously, not everybody's like super stoked about that, right? Like some people are like, well, hey, I want to own the thing. So we'd love that to be the case. But unfortunately, in America in 2022, can't sell an NFT to the public using Ethereum, you know, self-custody wallets without KYC that gives somebody ownership of an asset that just raises all kinds of security issues. So, so we're not able to do that. What we would like to do, however, is, is use the properties of NFTs to give people the ability to become more involved financially in the project and the pieces that the corporation will do. Example being owners, we will create a token gated access to the equity deal that we're doing right now for NFT membership holders. And if they're willing to you know, go through the KYC process, if they're accredited investors, they'll have an opportunity 
to invest in the round on the same terms as everyone else, all of the professional investors who are investing. So we are doing everything in our power in the short term to get those folks involved in not only the membership of it and the sort of economics of what their NFTs do and the course they are a part of, but actual ownership of the equity. In the long run, my ambition, my hope, my dream is that we actually do have the ability to create what you just talked about a protocol, a play to earn in the real world protocol where you actually have, call it a fungible token. This doesn't exist today. I would love it if, you know, at some point regulations change such that we can have a links token, right? That's fungible, that runs a play to earn economy that could involve in real life golfing, that could involve, you know, a metaverse golf game that could involve, you know, other things, earning points for doing wonderful things for the community, for contributing the protocol. Today, it's not something that we feel from a regulatory perspective comfortable implementing, but we have phenomenal legal support from you know, really top-notch folks like Cooley and others. And so you know, we're really, really keeping our ear to the ground on how things develop on the regulatory front in relation to both NFT ownership, community ownership, and DAOs. So it's kind of like... If you think about the NFT aspect, that's the membership. That's what gets you in the club, but it doesn't get you ownership. Bingo. Yeah. Yep. Membership, not ownership. And that was a tough thing, you know, to explain to some people, right? There definitely were some people, you know, even though our terms of sale were very, very clear, you know, as we talked to some folks after the fact, there was no question. There was a little bit of confusion, but, but people were understanding and, and frankly, some folks sold. And fortunately, you know, for those folks, they were able to sell you know, above the mint price. So, so for the most part, we feel like we have now a community of holders. We've never incentivized. You know, we're not out here to get people flipping NFTs. We literally want to deliver an NFT and Web3 enabled project and community that shows this sort of crossover appeal. A third of the people who are part of our community, this is the first NFT that they've ever owned. And many of them told us this is the first time they've ever taken money out of an exchange account, taking crypto out of an exchange account and put it into an account like a MetaMask wallet. So it's pretty exciting for us. And then they've connected it to you know, discourse and, and snapshot so they could actually make governance votes. And you know, that's what I want to see more of, not only with our project, but others. Do you golf, Dudas? Yeah. So you know, the folks who know me well, my temperament as a human is, is not, <laughs> um, it's not compatible with being a really high world-class golfer. So I tend to, you know, I'll throw in a couple quadruple bogeys with a couple pars per round and typically end up you know, somewhere between 95 and 100, unfortunately. I think that you probably enjoy the, maybe the drinking whilst uh, riding. Yeah, I mean, I do enjoy the cart, yeah. you know, the cart service that I get on the course. I might slip a couple Bud Lights, you know, into the bag on the way onto the course. And, you know, candidly, I'm, I'm lucky if I make it off the course with all my golf clubs. <laughs> um, I mean, that could be part of the ethos or spirit of Lynx Dow. It very well might. Uh, sponsored by Bud Light is getting into NFTs. So maybe there's some sort of synergy there. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, we're, we're working all angles, all angles. We've got some really fantastic partners. I don't want to leak any of them, but some of the biggest golf companies in the world um, and hospitality companies in the world working with us. And we think that's really exciting and in a very authentic way moves the space forward. So the last iteration of innovation in golf was things like Top Golf and Five Iron Golf, which are wonderful products and they're fun. 
you know, we think this can be the next iteration, which is just a really full global network of golf courses, clubs that have evolved through Web3 primitives that allow people, by the way, to stay connected all the time. You know, you don't, it doesn't stop when you leave the golf course because you can go on Discord, you can talk to your friends, play with your friends. You can do a virtual golf round in Golf Plus. It's not a crypto app. It's just the top golf simulator app out there, you know, where you throw one of those, you know, an Oculus in your head and, and you play around with it. It's not my cup of tea. My apartment in Manhattan's too small, but I look forward to getting into it. So you know, we're just trying to create a really cool community um, that's kind of a layer over, you know, Lynx is the brand that's a layer over an ecosystem that it hasn't been as welcoming and accommodating as we'd like over the past 10, 15, 20 years. Having trouble keeping pace with the crypto boom? When your business is scaling up and your portfolio is growing, you don't want to waste precious time on manual treasury management or settling and rebalancing. Fireblocks can handle that for you with smart, scalable solutions for your crypto business, along with industry-leading security and expertise. They'll take care of the back end so you can focus on the big picture. Visit fireblocks.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Coinbase Prime, an integrated solution that provides institutional investors with an advanced trading platform, secure custody, and prime services to manage all their crypto assets in one place. Coinbase Prime fully integrates crypto trading and custody on a single platform and gives clients the best all-in pricing in their network using their proprietary smart order router and algorithmic execution. Futuristic companies like Tesla and MicroStrategy have already used Coinbase's comprehensive investing platform to execute some of the largest trades in the industry. Build a unified investment portfolio with one of the most trusted names in crypto. Learn more by visiting coinbase.com prime to get started today. Are you eager to make more informed decisions around crypto using data you can trust? Chainalysis is here to help. Chainalysis demystifies cryptocurrency by providing industry-leading compliance, market intelligence, and investigation support for all crypto assets for organizations like Gemini, Crypto.com, and BlockFi. Gain unparalleled visibility and maximize your potential with the leading blockchain data platform by visiting Chainalysis.com now. So it's interesting. You are now in the NFT space. Your background before the block was payments, right? Button, Venmo before that, PayPal. And you actually got your start at Disney, which is interesting. But you <laughs> found crypto, you found Bitcoin through payments. You're not in payments anymore, technically. Yeah. Do you think that that corner of the market has has it disappointed you in terms of crypto adoption? Do you find NFTs more exciting? If so, why? And why not payments? Yeah. So for me, it was purely a personal thing. I actually think we are, well, I mean, people have been saying this for a long time, but I truly believe we are finally with the advent of an increase in stable coins outstanding on the cusp of you know these public always on, now affordable, in the case of Solana and ETH Layer 2, networks that are censorship resistant and allow you know, me to move money to folks anywhere in the world. 
and basically they can accept it you know, without a bank account in a mobile wallet, right? And there are a lot of companies working on off-ramps with mobile money companies and others to get access to that. So I deeply believe for the next five years are going to be critically important and exciting for crypto payments. I think maybe less so I'm a merchant in the US and people are going to pay at the point of sale with their you know, Solana or Ethereum or Bitcoin. I wouldn't say I'm massively bullish on that in the near term, but things like remittances, things like Stripe powering payouts for you know Lyft drivers and countries where it's difficult to get bank accounts, those are use cases that are real remittances to Mexico, places where, you know, there's significant inflation and the value of your native currency is getting inflated away. That's happening. It's happening in very small amounts, but it's growing day in and day out. And it's a mixture of Bitcoin, stablecoin and Ethereum. The other last cool thing I'll say is there's a true economy developing. Like people are paying like Web3 is people paying for digital goods. And by the way, If you look back 10 years ago, this is how mobile payments got started. People were paying for in-game assets, you know, on their mobile devices. Then it turned to like digital goods. Then it turned to, okay, I'm paying for apps. And then eventually people are tapping to pay with Apple Pay, right, at the store. But it takes 10, 12 years. We're at the point of it where people are paying in a Web3 native way. They're playing for pay to earn gaming. They're paying for NFTs. I know I spend gobs of money on it, as do my friends. Where I think we're going to start to move, there's a really cool iteration is towards, so the digital goods is what's happening, this Web3 native economy. And then from a commerce perspective, Shopify is doing this really well. We're going to have, it's launching next week after our South by Southwest event, a LinkStout token gated membership shop, okay? You don't have to pay in crypto, but you have to use your NFT to get access to the merchandise. So it's kind of fun. It's cool. We're using some crypto primitives to uh, enable people to get access to something that's unique and exclusive. So yeah, I'm very, very optimistic. For me, moving out of payments was just, hey, I've done this for 12 years. I really want to work on something different. Yeah. And maybe I kind of led the question with a more negative connotation, but maybe it's maybe you didn't leave payments because it's disappointed you or so far behind on the crypto adoption cycle, but perhaps maybe it's so far ahead on the adoption cycle that you want to do something more nascent, more new. That's exactly it. I looked and I said, hey, I can see some of the best people I know who I worked with in like the best fintech companies, right? Or who've been at those and now they want to be in crypto, right? So there's 10 people who are world-class who can do my job at Paxos. You know, I'd love to jump into the next thing. I always like, I always like to say, I like to be working on things where there are literally no experts. And I feel like that's where we are with things like DAOs, you know, things like emergent web three networks, there are no experts. Nobody knows if they're right or wrong, no matter how strong their opinions are. One opinion I have is there will be something that looks like a token incentivized Uber, probably a token incentivized Airbnb. Very, very bright people are very, very certain that that's not going to happen. And I think they're wrong and nobody knows. So you know, we just invested in a Web3 Uber-like business. And I'm so, so excited to work on something like that and try and make that succeed. And uh, yeah, and, and I think with payments, I now think it's absolutely inevitable that crypto payments, you know, wholesale payments, remittances, et cetera, are happening and great people are working on it. You have also invested a bit in individual NFTs themselves, a wide range of different projects. At first, did you think that this was going to be a serious moneymaker? Did you have a developed thesis or did you kind of 
did that thesis grow as you got more intertwined with the space? So I was stunned. I thought when I first bought NBA Top Shot, you know, packs in the middle of 2020, when Fred Wilson tweeted about it, Dapper Labs, I, I probably spent 500 bucks on it. And I thought I was just like writing it off. I hadn't collected cards since I was a kid. My partner at Six Man Venture, Serge, convinced me it was a good idea. I think he spent three, 4,000. Next thing you know, like six months later, yeah, I think he bought a car with his <laughs> with his proceeds from it. And yeah, I was doing really well. And we were like, holy heck, there's you know something here. There's no question that like the sort of speculative nature of it is really interesting and exciting. When you combine that though with the community, the people talking in Discord and Telegram group and WhatsApp groups, it's really fun. I've had a blast. You know, it's kind of like a really fun, cool hobby to have to do this collecting. I've been surprised at how much money has come into the ecosystem, how fast and how professionalized it has become. And, you know, furthermore, it's it's also how fast it's been overdone. So in other words, basically when people see money being made, especially the last three months, we've just seen the seventh order derivative of, you know, an ape project and it's you know, getting to be a little much, but right when that happens, like I've seen the roadmap for board ape tied to the raise that they're doing right now. And it's wild. I mean, it's, it's really exciting. So just as we're going to get really tired, I think of like the 50,000th derivative project, they're going to move the ecosystem forward with the next iteration of their project. And what's so wild about NFTs is how quickly sentiment changes, you know, bull bear, how quickly, you know, fads get expired. And my longstanding thesis here is there's not going to be, I mean, this is not novel, but most of the projects eventually are going to trend towards zero. But if you're a savvy, consistent collector who you know, focuses on things that you love and understand, I love CryptoPunks. I love Bored Apes. I bought both of them relatively early. I love art blocks, and I've lost some money on those recently. But I believe over the you know, long arc of history as being one of the earliest generative art platforms, maybe the earliest big one, that that's going to be really successful. So I probably lose money. I have a worse hit rate. I think I'll have a worse hit rate on NFTs than I will on VC investments. But the hits in the NFT market, the returns are just face meltingly wild. Yeah, absolutely. And when you think about a roadmap like the roadmap Board Apes has or what it likely looks like, it might be useful to kind of think about a company like your previous firm from when you were a much younger man, the Walt Disney Company, there might be a few pages out of the Disney playbook for some of these projects to take. There will be maybe, obviously there will be swag, there'll be sort of brands built around, communities built around these, what we think of as just JPEGs. I was speaking with one VC and we were kind of toying around with the idea of a Bored Apes theme park. I mean, these are some of the things that could justify the lofty valuations that we see. It's not just images on a screen, but you can create an entire franchise around it akin to Star Wars or the Angry Birds, etc. Yeah. I mean, Pixel Vault, which is one of the more prominent ones, I would say sort of sort of the second most prominent valuation. Well, there's Larva Labs, there's Board Ape, and then there's Pixel Vault, I would say in that order, maybe right now. But yeah, Pixel Vault says, hey, we want to be the Marvel of the metaverse. And I think it's very feasible and plausible. It's a well-defined, just like the NFT roadmaps over the last eight months have become well-defined. 
there's a well-defined playbook for how you take new IP like Board Ape, and then basically you have, to your point, consumer products, you have in real life theme park-like experiences. You know, maybe they don't go as far as a theme park. Maybe they start with a Jimmy Buffett, Margaritaville type vibe, but like clearly things like that are going to happen. And these are going to become really significant commercial enterprises. I do think that the advantage they have, and we believe this as well for LinksDAO, is that they are community owned in many ways. Sorry, not the corporation itself, but like as a, I own a few board apes and you know, I feel a connection. I mean, it's an eclectic, nerdy, fun, silly group of folks. And there, you know, can be cringe at times. And you know, hey, those are all the qualities that I, <laughs> that I stand for. So I think the question there is how do you integrate the community who feels ownership, who feels like they propped up that brand and really made it into what it ultimately becomes? That's different than just, a creator who creates Marvel characters and then puts them out into the world. So that's the delicate, touchy part that I'm really interested to watch these leading products. And you know, hopefully you know, we're fortunate enough to execute well with LinksDAO and can you know, face some of these great problems ourselves. So I do want to take it back to LinksDAO and, and just DAOs in general. One thing that I found interesting from my conversation with Bain yesterday, I was speaking with their team and one of the takeaways I had from the conversation was this thesis that they have around building or rather investing, of course, as a venture capital firm into services for DAOs or DAO related services. So we think about, you know, DAOs like LinksDAO. Yeah. There's a whole slew of things that they might need, whether it's governance tools or whatever have you. We were, t I was joking with them about, you know, if there are people employed in some way, for the DAO, do you need like a JustWorks for DAOs? Like, I don't know because I'm not necessarily deep in the space, but maybe you might have a sense of what some of the next wave of DAO related services companies could we see? No, it's a good question. So, right now, there are a number of what are called like point solutions. So, historically, in like software as a service or SaaS, you have like comprehensive all in one platforms like. Oracle and I buy everything from them, right? Or Salesforce and I buy everything from them. But then, you know, early on in the evolution of any ecosystem, what happens is you typically have point solutions that service sort of the most important and critical functions for a DAO. And to your point, treasury, payments, you mentioned just works. Like that's one of the most important. So six man, we've invested in Multis, we've invested in Parcel, which are two treasury management companies. They kind of work with Gnosis Safe, which is one of the sort of default tools. It's a multi-sig safe that multiple participants who are nominated by a DAO can use to manage the funds of the DAO. And then there are these companies or these projects or protocols have tools that help you with payouts, either streaming payouts or bounty-based payouts. Other interesting things are engagement tools. Like we've invested in something called Layer 3 that gives you the ability to create bounties and other things for people to take actions like voting and rewarding them for actually voting and using the DAO and using the protocol. There's a project called Rabbit Hole that's great for sort of marketing for DAOs to get people, again, who maybe aren't using the DAO to come and say, hey, I want to be a part of it. There is a pro like boardroom, which you can use for sort of DAO governance proposals, snapshot for voting, you know, discourse for proposals. I even think the block has done a DAO tooling market map, if, I, if I'm not incorrect. That's really good. 
you know, Gateway we invested in, which is like reputation for DAOs, your on-chain reputation. Rabbit Hole's also working on that. And Discovery. The issue is right now, there's probably too many, you know, the ones I named, I'm really bullish on. There's too many DAO tooling companies and there's too many people who have no clue how to build, like, this is enterprise software, you know, even if you're selling to a non-corporation mm. and, you know, you have to know who's the buyer, right? It's like, who runs DAOs? Who do you sell to? Is it the finance person? Does that person exist? Are they, who's the community person? So it's a tricky, tricky market to build for. And you know, there's going to be a, a really, really, really high failure rate in DAO tooling. And so when I look as an investor at who to invest in, I want them to be native. I want them to be folks who actually have either started a DAO, participated tremendously and understand how DAOs operate. As somebody who runs it, I'm basically default no on any you know new DAO tooling. And by the way, the number of requests that I get and our team gets for you know informational and diligence calls, I mean, these people are just like, there's a lot of tone deaf people in the world. What's the big mistake that they're making? What, what are they doing wrong? They think that there are experts in the world, the people running DAOs, whether it's a core team or whether it's like nominated participants, they're figuring out on the fly, man. <laughs> like It's not clear how these things work, if they're going to work, what the legal and regulatory landscape is going to be like, you know, how can I pay people? How can I pay people across different jurisdictions? Like, I don't have the answers for you. So why are you looking at me for doing diligence on yours? Like, so it's a really tricky, messy moment in time. And uh, I would say Dow tooling is an area where I definitely see an oversupply of solutions relative to the demand and relative to the maturity of teams knowing what they need, want, and what's going to work. Got it. Let's, let's think about something. Um, let's think about maybe your litmus test for DAOs. This is something I spoke with another guest on the show this morning about, and it kind of speaks to the topic we unpacked at the top of the show, which is what exactly is a DAO? How have they evolved? You kind of unpacked and explained how Lynx DAO is structured. And you kind of also walked through the definition of a DAO, but what is the litmus test? Is there one? What might be a, a pig in DAO lipstick? I don't know if that's the expression, but what might make a DAO not a DAO? Yeah. So what might make a DAO not a DAO or what could be a failure point for it? Sorry. Or both. Yeah, or both. Like what what sort of like would put something out of the DAO camp? Yeah, so I would say like today, like our Links DAO has again, the community is more of an advisory board. So we wouldn't be definitionally a DAO, right? We would be like a group of like members who act as an advisory board to a C Corp. Things I think things that will really hamstring you know certain DAOs is putting too many things to vote, basically making the hurdles and the rules around what could get voted on too high, because frankly, people don't participate in DAO governance votes unless there's something in it for them. And then that's the last piece is like, what are you doing for me? Like, why do I care? I think there's too many of these DAOs that just exist to basically satisfy the ego of the creator versus like actually being a you know useful like, hey, we're going to go buy the Broncos. Like, no, you're not. This is not happening. That's your ego. Like, it, it might feel good to get a couple headlines. And, and I don't want to crap on you know, people's ideas because I, I do think it's great to have ideas. But 
I think we should focus on like realistic things that utilize the technology and be honest about, you know, what can be achieved. So, and the last piece is, I really do think the threshold for voting one is really important. Um, so overestimating how often people will participate. If you get 10, 15, we get a lot higher than this because it's fun. But if you get 10, 15, 20% participation a DAO, that's good, man. Like think about any typical corporation. If you guys are putting all of the blocks, like stuff to vote, like you wouldn't get you know, people. It's hard. Yeah, you got your own job it's to hard. do. You're, you're busy, you know? Yeah. I don't want to jump around too much, but I do want to maybe leave it on a more um, less technical note. One thing that I think links down and bodies outside of just sort of this momentum behind DAOs is the intersection of crypto and sports, which is becoming increasingly a headline-making topic. We see the endorsements. We see rather crypto companies getting endorsed by different athletes. We see athletes doing their own NFTs. I don't know if anyone's, if any athlete has done a DAO per se, but certainly have done their own NFT drops. You mentioned that you're engaging with a number of incumbent golf related entities. There seems to be an excitement. Tell us a little bit about that excitement. Yeah. So I think what was Chris Dixon's thing? Like everything, you know, something about like everything important starts out looking like a toy. I'm sure I mangled that. But bottom line is these really important technologies tend to start out. You know, people have historically said like crypto started out with vice industries. Then it sort of moves to fun. And I think we're at the fun phase where, you know, we've got NFTs, right? So those are collectibles. We've got, and there's some, you know, with those collectibles, there's some speculation, a little bit of gambling involved. A lot of these DAOs have sports element because it's fun. It's community. When you think about community and just natural communities that exist in the world, so much of it is around sports teams that we love. So it makes sense that you start to see some of these collective organizations that look like previous models, things like fan clubs, right, emerge. I think it's important that we make these things that are fun work so that the next iteration which is, you know, fun, by the way, I think is incredibly important to, you know, our lives. It is for mine. But if we can prove these models with fun, we can then move to even more important things, right? So uh, we invested in a company called Vibe Bio that's working on drug discovery and development using a DAO structure where uh, Vibe Bio partners with patient communities, right? So it could be the American Heart Association or others that have these communities that today are donating money and time, but maybe not, but maybe could even do it in a more organized way if there was like DAO governance and an expert community of folks who were guiding where that money was spent and you know, which drugs were developed and maybe commercializing it a little bit. So I think, you know, if we can prove out the fun models of DAO's work with money and achieve some objectives, you're going to see people take more courageous and big swings at things like climate DAO, at things like these healthcare yeah. DAOs. And I'm really, really rooting for that. So I think it's important. We'll start with the fun. Um, and this tees up well our episode that we're hoping to have with your friends over at... Um that one biotech DAO that you introduced us to. Oh yeah. Vibe bio. Yep. And so we can go from fun to medical, sir. Thank you so much for taking the time. This was really interesting. It was a long time coming and 
we wanted this month to be all about DAOs, but it's it's not going to be all about DAOs. It's going to be much about DAOs. And we appreciate you joining the conversation and hope to talk to you again soon. Maybe see you out in the course. I would love to. It would be my pleasure to play around with you, Frank, and sneak some Bud Lights out there. But really awesome to, to see you, buddy, and hope to come down to Florida to do it in person soon. Mike, before we really let you go, where can people learn more about what you're doing at LinksDAO and maybe even Six Man Ventures? Yeah, absolutely. So as always, at MDudis on Twitter, I keep my DMs open, <laughs> for better or worse, and then you know route conversations accordingly. So please reach out to me on Twitter. I love to respond and, and really have seen some amazing ideas come through that Twitter inbox. Uh, so thank you. Thank you, Mike, for being on the show. Cheers, buddy. Ladies and gentlemen, The Scoop will be back with you again with another great guest. Have an amazing day.